This podcast is a member of WGPRN, WildGamesProductions.com. Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Darkling Podcast. The Darker Days Radio presents the Darkling Podcast, episode number seven. This week, uh, me and my faithful co-host Mark will sit down and talk to Mr. Monty Cook. Oh, and uh, by the way, I'm back from my scuba diving lesson or whatever I was doing, Mark. Was that good? Did you have fun? Uh, yeah, I had a load of fun, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, tons of fun. I saw some starfish. And No, I didn't go scuba diving, Mark. <laughs> you did, you did. I know you did. I saw no. the pictures. Actually, I was sitting down with some return... Oh. Well, never mind. I really shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, folks, lucky number seven this week. We have uh, gaming designer and author Monty Cook with us on the show. We'll be talking to him in just a minute. Um, you've been sending in your questions, and we're going to put them to the man himself. So uh, thanks for that. Yeah, and if your question didn't get asked, well, too effing bad. No, I'm just kidding. We just only, only allowed to. <laughs> Why not, okay? I'm American. <laughs> I'm allowed to. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Gordon Ramsay. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Blame it on us. Sure, why exactly. Not? Why not? Uh, if you, all your questions didn't get answered, I apologize. Uh, you can always contact Monty Cook directly at his site. Just go to MontyCook.com and ask your questions away. And we'll head uh, right into. Uh, well, actually, first, Mark, how can we get a hold of? Uh, how can you get a hold of us? Well, you can uh, stop by our forums at WildGamesProductions.com, um, or you can email us at DarkerDaysRadio at Gmail. Dot com or go to the Facebook fan page. Yeah, and we can also pop on Twitter, which I've That's ignored fine. quite a bit. But you know, actually, Alucard, yeah, Alucard D twenty on Twitter, or you can follow us just through WGPR on Twitter too. Mm. Um, they're all up and running. And, or you can uh, start Clive Barker. Right, you can stalk him in the, the darkness. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> actually, someone had emailed me, Mark, and asked how that that whole situation came about and I was like you you started it I just went with that yeah really <laughs> it's funny because it's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, it's funny that people don't know it is true and they're thinking you're just joking about it <laughs> sad to say no. yeah alright folks uh, we're going to head right into the interview so uh, we'll see you in about I don't know 20 minutes Southeast Queensland has been declared a natural disaster area. It is a global depression. The collapse is over. Civilization is grinding to a blood-soaked halt. A new world order at the end of... It had been to halt the virus from spreading the government to place schools, museums, and other public buildings. You are a survivor in the darkness, fighting to keep the light of hope alive. This is Twilight 2013. A role-playing game of post-apocalyptic survival and renewal, set in a world overrun by military conflict, where daily existence is a grueling affair. This is devastation. This is World War III. Will you raise the flag of a fallen nation, or light the watchfires against the coming night? The choice is in your hands now. The last words from home set you free. Good luck. You're on your own. Ask your retailer about Twilight 2013 or drop by 93gamesstudio.com to order your copy today. Okay, folks, this week we uh, sat down on the uh, Darkling Podcast with Mr. Monty Cook. Uh, 
uh, Mr. Monty Cook, how are you doing today? Um, great, great. Thanks for having me on the show here. Oh yeah, Mark's with us too. Hey, Mark. Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> great to be here with uh, with Monty Cook, one of the uh, living legends of RPG design. Fantastic to have you on your show, Monty, and thanks for taking the time to join us here. My pleasure. Well, we'll just we'll jump right into it. We have a whole bunch of questions as we uh, sent you, and you already saw. So uh, the first question we have uh, comes from Mr. Vergast, and he would like to... I'm sorry, that was Lost Heretic, right, Mark, wasn't it? Yes, it was. He said I, not to make that mistake. I, and I made the mistake, too. <laughs> if you get a, if, his question is for you. If you get a chance to write up a follow-up for the uh, World of Darkness that you designed, would it be, what would it be, and how would you expand the setting? Well, you know, actually, I, I probably wouldn't expand the setting. Instead, I'd go the other way, and I would... Maybe create a product that kind of drilled down and got into some more specifics. You know, one of the problems with creating a book like this is, you know, you you can't spend very much time and, and attention on any one given thing. And so there are lots of interesting little areas that it would be a lot of fun to flesh out even more. Um, and, you know, kind of really get into uh, the details of them that really only got a paragraph or two in the book mm. itself. Hmm. So, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, actual adventures would be fun to write for this, I think. Some plug and play material that you can pick up and go with at your table. Yeah, yeah. Either that or, you know, just a, a source book that takes one specific section. You know, we could take, uh, you know, we detailed out uh, Minneapolis, for example, uh, the Twin Cities in the book quite a bit. And we could focus in on that and do a whole book just on that you know that kind of thing right something like maybe like the event books that you did for Mal Havoc well yeah oh that would be cool um, you know those those books those were interesting because they could you know you it was kind of you, you proposed one idea and you know like we did one that was on war or something mm. like that and uh and then, you know, how to add that into your campaign. You could certainly do that with World of Darkness. Very cool. I'm using two of those in my Pathfinder game at the moment. Oh, Great cool. Stuff. Which ones? Uh, uh, Requiem for a God and uh, mm -hmm. When the Sky Falls. Oh, excellent. Uh, and Arcana Evolve too. So, yeah, you're getting <laughs> lots of playtime around my table. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, uh, Mark, you want to dip into the Beckett bucket and give a question for us? Yes, um, uh, Beckett, one of our regular contributors, wants to know: uh, Do you still have a good relationship with White Wolf, and could you see yourself working for them again? Uh, I do have a good relationship with them. I have for years. Uh, you know, when I was doing Malhavic Press full time, putting out uh, D twenty products, uh, White Wolf was my publishing partner, and so I got to know them all really well. You know, I've been down to the offices in Atlanta a few times. And uh, so, you know, have a great working relationship with them and consider a lot of those guys my friends. Um, cool. You know, I could certainly see doing uh, more work for them potentially, although uh, actually I'm, I'm only uh, – my game design work is, is fairly limited right now. Um, I'm doing a lot of different kinds of writing, and the only game design work that I'm doing currently is, uh, is with my own website, DungeonAday.com. Mm. Well, speaking about DungeonAday.com, that was my next question. Was Could you tell us a little bit about that project? Sure. Uh, what that is, is it's kind of a, an old school dungeon. Uh, you know, a big, huge mega dungeon, as some people call them. 
uh, with you know twenty levels and hundreds of rooms and you know that kind of thing. Uh, but the thing that's a little bit different is what I do is I create one dungeon encounter uh, every day, and I put that up on the website. And so basically, it's like I'm building a dungeon-based campaign, you know, one campaign or rather one encounter at a time. So you can see it as it grows. Uh, you can, uh, if if you're a member, because it's a, a subscription-based site. And so if you're a member, you know you get access to all of this stuff, uh, and you can give me feedback on what you like and what you don't like, where you'd like it to go. Oh, I'd like to see more, you know, undead or whatever. Plus, I provide lots of like background info and uh, you know behind-the-scenes sorts of articles where I talk about. Well, I created this. Uh, encounter in this particular way and here's why and here's some advice on running it when you use it in your game and the cool thing about it is is that you can use it as a big campaign or you can just kind of pick and choose and cherry pick oh I like this one and I like that one and I'm going to use it you know just those and I'm going to stick them in my own adventure it works pretty well either way so is is it more like I suppose a classic um, sandbox mega dungeon or does it have something more in common with Tolus where you have a setting and yet there are nevertheless overarching plots that run through it well for the most part I look at it as a you know an old school like you say sandbox campaign where it's it's a big dungeon you know there are stories behind it there are reasons for why the things that live there live there and the weird mm. magic and all the stuff um, that you get with a with a typical kind of dungeon campaign, um, and but it's all uh, you know really it's rather than there being a oh you have to get to the bottom of the dungeon to save the world kind of quest. <laughs> um, there's you know it's more for people who are interested in just exploring. There are plenty of plot hooks and stories that can get woven into what's going on there and the NPCs and stuff. But for the most part, it's kind of old school. Cool, cool. Uh, well, getting back to uh, to your take on the on the world of darkness, another question from Beckett here. He says one of the things that um, he picked up on when he, he did a couple of reviews for us on a couple of previous shows, he uh, mentioned that the the base D twenty rules are, are different to those that, that are used in Dungeons and Dragons or in Star Wars. Um, right. Now, are, are there rules in there that you would originally intended for third edition, or using your home games, or did you come? You know, did you cook these up specifically for the World of Darkness? And he says he really likes them, particularly the skills, and uh, having a lot of your other books like Experimental Might and the various uh, books of magic. Uh, he says Hallowed Might is a personal favorite of his. He hasn't noticed those okay. rules in there, so he was just, just curious if these are fresh concoctions or if they're if they've been sitting on the back burner for a while. Well, you know, when I uh, was given the opportunity to do. Uh, my own version of World of Darkness. Um, I, you know, they they basically just gave me carte blanche. They could do whatever you want as far as both the setting and the rules. And so, you know, it shouldn't come as too much of a surprise to anyone who knows my background that the rules ended up being very D twenty ish. But they, you know, they, like you point out, they are different, um, and that's because I wanted to. I didn't want to just create, oh, here's D20 World of Darkness. Um, I, what I wanted to create was a rule system that worked for the setting that I had you know, thought up, that I had created. And so that required a lot of changes and manipulations to the rules. Um, however, that said, once I was all done, uh, I have thought that a lot of the stuff in there, like, for example, maybe the magic system, which is, you know, wholly different than regular mm-hmm. D20. Um, 
would be interesting to port back into a standard D20 campaign. I think you could do some interesting things. In fact, one of the things that I would find really fun to do, I think, would be to create a like a, a sort of more regular fantasy D&D style game, but use the World of Darkness rules. So, you know, the the wizard it uses the mage rules in here, but maybe the fighter is kind of like a werewolf. You know, maybe you wouldn't cool. kind of use all the standard trappings, but, you know, he can kind of become this killing machine kind of thing. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah, when, when when Beckett did his review uh, last week, he did a lot of detail on the magic system. That's one of the things that we picked up on right away was this would make a fantastic addition to be folded back into a into a D20 game. It's very cool. Yeah, the only thing to keep in mind is that it is it's a little it, it takes a little bit more thought on the mm. on the mage's part. In the same way that, you know, in the regular World of Darkness mage game does. You know, you you don't just figure you don't just think pick three spells out of a book and go you know the way you can with D D. um and so you know that's the only thing to keep in mind is that there's a little more to it yeah okay um evo shandor wanted to know uh why you made your take on the world of darkness so drastically different from the the white wolf version uh you know the different origin types for the supernaturals and uh, what have you um it's, it's very, very notable, noticeable as being a huge step away from the from the standard published version. It's not just a you know a D twenty version of their existing games, right? And that is exactly the point. Um, like I said uh, a few minutes ago, I didn't want to sit down and just create D twenty World of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, when when uh, the guys at White Wolf came to me and they said, you know, if you could do anything. Uh, with to the world of darkness or with the the ideas behind world of darkness what would you do and you know uh, i came up with a lot of different ideas and and uh the one that i settled on was sort of this almost kind of quasi post-apocalyptic world of darkness um and you know and so uh one of the things that i wanted to do was specifically to make it different from world of darkness was you know how everything in world of darkness has this long history with lots of information and you know the vampire bloodlines go back you know to prehistory and you know all that all that kind of stuff which is really cool but i wanted to create something that was completely different so the obvious way to go was i made it so that vampires and werewolves and whatnot only just recently sprung into existence and uh and so you know that was it was all very intentional and and kind of the the point of it, you know. Um, originally, when the idea idea was pitched to me, um, the idea was that that maybe down the line, other creators would be given this opportunity. And so, in addition to Monty oh, Cook's cool. World of Darkness, maybe you, well, you know, it's it's sadly will never happen now. But you know, in theory, there could have been Gary Gygax's World of Darkness, or right. you cool. know, w- whatever. Um, which is a which is a neat idea, you know. It's yeah, that's fascinating. You know, Monty Cook's World of Darkness is kind of I, I like to think of it as sort of like an Elseworlds. You know, if you're a if you're a comic book fan, mm. um, you know, it's 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 not the standard World of Darkness. It's not meant to replace it. It's not meant to fit into continuity. It's just kind of a a what if kind of thing. Excellent. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Uh, we have a bunch of questions from some guy named Mark now. So uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> a hacker, isn't he? That hack. 
This Mark guy, shh, the nerve of him, wants to know what kind of World of Darkness games have you played before writing your World of Darkness book? Uh, let's see. I've played uh, Vampire and Mage a fair bit, and that I think I have played Werewolf only once, maybe twice. Uh, but those those are the ones that I've played. I've never had the opportunity to play Wraith or Hunter mm. or uh, any of the others. Hmm. Mage, cool, big fan of Mage. <laughs> yeah, me too. That was that was my favorite of them all, and that, that probably shows a little bit in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no um, complaints here. Cool. And uh, the, this Mark guy also wants to know, have you run any games in the setting of your version of World of Darkness, and uh, what have they been like? Uh, well, what I did was, um, when I was creating the book, I, I did playtesting, because um, I'm a big big fan of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Big reporter of, of playtesting. It's important. But it pretty much all really focused on the... Well, I mean, let me back up a minute. I, mm-hmm. I kind of think of my world of darkness is almost being like two different settings. You've got the, the post-apocalyptic kind of feel when you get in really close to uh, where the, you know, the nightmare wave started and everything. But as you get further out, it becomes, you know, more kind of a, a traditional more like a traditional world of darkness, you know, in that the cities aren't destroyed and everything when there's, vampires and werewolves kind of in the shadows Mm. and so since that was mostly like uh regular world of darkness or more like regular world of darkness i focused all of my play tests on the you know in minneapolis where it's practically you know a post-apocalyptic setting you've got you know everyone's kind of living in the ruins you got the military trying to keep control over everything and doing a terrible job <laughs> and uh you know vampires and werewolves and demons uh running amok uh, that that's that's the, that's the part of it that appealed to me the most i think mm-hmm. oh cool um now you way, mentioned the- uh, Sorry, i was just going to add i was just going to add that um people have asked why the why the uh event where the Iconu first come through, uh, why it happens where it does. Well, the epicenter of it is actually the town where I was born. Uh-huh, there you so go. So that's, <laughs> that's why oh, it is where it is. little fact that <laughs> some people didn't know. <laughs> cool. Uh, now, you said you've been working on a number of other you know, non-RPG products recently. And uh, as some of our listeners may know, uh, you've just uh, recently released the Skeptic's Guide to Conspiracies. Um, right. Now, when you were researching that, did you come across any cool conspiracy theories about vampires, werewolves, mages, or other World of Darkness-style denizens? Well, um, you know, or actually... Is it all aliens and Kennedy? <laughs> there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of aliens and Kennedy. Um, but, you know, there's actually some pretty interesting uh, mage-like theories that are really kind of way out there um, having to do with uh, some hidden inner circle of the Freemasons and uh, you know how they were uh, they were behind the Kennedy assassination because it all had to do with the mystical trinity of uh, oh I'm trying to remember it all but but uh, you know he was it was the it was a ritualistic killing of the king uh, and there was uh, the Trinity uh, site where they had uh, experimented with 
the first nuclear weapons. Oh, cool. And uh, what was the third thing? I can't remember. But anyway, mm. there was sort of this mystical – you know, you can almost imagine a mage adventure based around yeah. – some evil cabal of, of mages who are who are you know trying to pull off all these things, you know, and but make them just look like traditional events, you know, covering up the mystical nature of it uh, and the uh, implications. Uh, yeah, it was really a, neat. A ritual king slaying—that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I have to make a note of that one just just for a second here. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Fantastic. Okay, I have a, a couple more questions for you. I, I have a question for you. If Some people consider Gary Gygax, well, most people consider him the father of D&D. Now, uh, what do you feel about people considering you the new father of D&D and one of the people that helped re-envision a new beginning for D&D? Uh, well, you know, that's uh, pretty lofty. Um, you know, pr- <laughs> pretty much all I have to say is that any time that my name is mentioned alongside Gary's, I take that as a gigantic compliment Mm. um, because, uh, you know, Gary pretty much, uh, you know, Gary and Dave together uh, pretty much created the hobby that we all love, Um, you know, no matter what game, no matter what role-playing game you play, they started it all. And so, uh, Mm. you know, it's just uh, just cool to be thought of in any way uh, in relationship to them. Awesome. Well, I have one That's last fantastic. question, and then Mark can get on to his if he has any more. But you had worked at TSR during the uh, last administration before Wizards took over when uh, Lorraine Warren was in charge. Uh, just, how, what is your experiences about that, and how did it go there? Well, um, I started working at TSR in 1994, and uh, the uh, WotC buyout happened in 1997. So I was there for, for the last three years, I guess. And... Uh, you know, the thing is, uh, so much of the kind of crazy business stuff that was going on at TSR at the time was pretty much entirely invisible to us. You know, we were just, go, you know, working away, making D&D and, you know, uh, having a great time. I mean, my I have really almost nothing but really good memories of working at TSR because... Mm-hmm. You know, it was a lot of fun. It was a great group of people. And, you know, I never had any direct uh, contact with Lorraine Williams. I never, uh, you know, had any contact with the so-called suits that, uh, (laughs) you know, were messing things up by all accounts. Um, You know, so it, it was a great time. And it was, you know, it was cool to just kind of be even a small part of the history of you know my the hobby that I la- have loved my whole life. Excellent. Well, I, I seem to remember there was a really interesting series of blogs over at, uh, at, your, at the Mal Havoc site about this a few years back, where you were talking to other people who'd been there at the time as well and, and getting their opinions too. So if any of our listeners want to go and look those up, there's some really interesting perspectives and stories that uh, you know from from people who were there. Yeah, you know, the reason that I did those interviews, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm really proud of those interviews, and I, and I really am happy to have done them, and it was because, um, I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, it was on some anniversary of D&D, and Wizards put out this big, lavish, hardcover book, and it had all of these interviews with people yeah, the- famous and had been gamers, but they didn't 
do a whole lot of interviews with the people who had actually worked on the game, and and huh. I you know I wanted to give people that insider, you know that that feel and that look of uh, what it was like to actually be there, and yeah. so yeah, mm. uh, Doug Niles and uh, uh, Bruce Cordell and tons of tons of people that I talked to, and that was a lot of fun to put together. They're they're better than the book, outstanding. I recommend anybody go and hunt those down if they have the time. Well, um, so yeah, one last question from me, and normally Vince asks this one, but he seems to have forgotten <laughs> it, so I'm going to get it, <laughs> which is cool. Um, if you could uh, be a household appliance, uh, which one would you be, and uh, and why? <laughs> I forgot about that question, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we spring on everybody. <laughs> Ow. Um, you know, I think, uh, boy, uh, you know, I'll I'll go with uh, I'll go with. Is a television count as a household appliance? Sure. Yeah, we have one guy choose an iPhone, so you can you can have a TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be the TV uh, because anyway. I like to be entertaining. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Mr. Monty Cook, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. And uh, yeah, how can? It's been and, a lot of fun. Oh, great! And how can people get in contact with you? And uh, where can they go to find out your stuff? Uh, well, MontyCook.com is uh, is sort of my primary site, but uh, I encourage everybody to check out DungeonAday.com as well. Excellent. Okay. Well, we're going to head off this week, and we thank you for joining us, and uh, take care. All right, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap up the, uh, the Darkling podcast for this week. And... Uh, episode number seven, and we will... Uh, if you need to get in contact with us, you can go to darkerdays.tk and Mark what's our email address darkerdaysradio at gmail dot com been practicing that huh I have yeah that's awesome and uh, you can always check us out on Facebook and uh, what we're trying to do right now is revamp that so you can actually sit on Facebook listen to our show add comments and all that jazz uh, we try to get upwards of a uh, hundred fans on there once you do you get uh, you get your own slash Facebook site instead of that long URL. So I just can't wait until we uh, get up there. We're getting pretty close, but... Uh, yeah, and if, if you're the 100th fan to register, we'll, uh, I will send you my refreshing finger. That's disgusting, Mark. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. It, it might not be mine. <laughs> no, one be to, no one will be able to tell. That's really disgusting, Mark. Well, we're going to head out tonight, and uh, thank you for joining us. This is Min- uh, <laughs> Mince. Yeah, that's my name, Vince. A combination of Vince and Mark. I'm now a combo duo. Yeah, anyway, uh, this is Vince signing off for Mark. Good night, everybody.